ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dogs and cats, children of all ages, I introduce you the future legend. He is the host of Let's Talk Podcast. The one, the only, I introduce you, Philip! started hello everyone welcome to another episode of let's talk podcast this is episode number 197 i'm your host philip and today today we're going to talk about the san francisco 49ers and i have a guest who is no stranger to this podcast mickey's return zane welcome back to the show man hey thanks for having me to come back on man i know it's been a little bit since we talked but a lot's happened since the last time i came on the show right so i think that that's kind of the the thing to do, right? Is to have me on the show and then the team has a bunch of success and then, you know, we just kind of repeat that, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, because I think the last time we're on, I think it was last year, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I believe it was like last summer, I think. I, yeah, I think it was last summer, like before the season started, your preview, I think we're talking about preview for the season this or this past season. And, you know, I think we're getting prediction all that kind of stuff. And now... I guess a year later, we're here. We are see Super Bowl just finished, which made me sick at Rams. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you know, and and let's talk about the last season for the Forty Nine ers Well, a some season it was. Uh, it was like a roller coaster, basically. What were your thought last season regarding the Forty ers Man, they they started off the season well. They they could have been very well have beaten Green Bay to start the season as well. And if they if they did that, then they would have been a lot in a lot different position, I think through the first eight weeks, but right. yeah, through the first eight weeks, they were three and five. And, and we were like, man, this team's not even a playoff team. Like they were, they were really struggling. Obviously Jimmy was struggling. The defense was really struggling. There was no real identity for the team. You know, you had that Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo rotation with the Trey packages. And it was just like a really discombobulated team and they just weren't playing well at all. Kyle wasn't in a play calling rhythm. Like he, he was, he admittedly wasn't really calling plays in the proper flow of the game. And I think that, you know, it was one of those situations where they, that, that first Rams game, I think was the turning point for them, right. Where that yeah. they had that primetime Rams game where they, they handily beat them and Debo went off again. And that's kind of like where, where things turned around. And, and I would argue to say that there were probably wasn't a better team in the second half of the season than the 49ers after that right and they just kept rattling win after win after win off and you could argue that they should have beat Tennessee and they should have beat Seattle as well to be able to possibly win the division but they squeak in uh, in the last game of the season they squeak in against the Rams in really just epic fashion and winning in overtime and you know a tie would have got them in as well but they they got the Ambry Thomas interception at the end to beat the Rams on their own own home field and beat the Rams for the sixth straight time to get in the playoffs. And man, like the, the, the playoffs, it was, it was so unbelievable. And I'm not doing justice to the season, right? We're trying to condense this down into like, you know, 30 or 40 minutes or whatever we had tonight, but yeah, yeah. It's, it's one of those things where like, you know, it was, like you said, it was such a roller coaster and there's so many ebbs and flows and so much turmoil with regard to like, Oh, like, you know, Jimmy's not healthy. And then Trey, Trey started against the Cardinals and looked okay, but the team didn't play well around him. 
And then, you know, he started against the Texans and started off slow again, but he had a fantastic second half. And you saw a lot of like little smaller things come in. Like obviously Debo's emergence as a true number one wide receiver and a, and a really big threat for this offense. He was the best player on your team this year. And you know, not a lot of people saw that coming. They thought that it would be Bosa or Kittle and Debo ended up being the guy. So yeah. that, you know, and then you go into the playoffs and you had that really, really awesome, you know, gutty win against the Dallas Cowboys at the end and, and just holding on and, we'll never forget that green bay game the blocked punt and touchdown by hufanga and then the the drive at the end of the game to get them a field goal to win so you know again and again obviously the, the rams game which we'll talk about probably later on but i mean like man just just an unexpected awesome season like philip like did you expect them really to have this type of season or was it for me like i, I expected a, a transition season I didn't expect them to be one quarter away from making the Super Bowl, possibly, probably beating the Bengals. Honestly, if they got there, they probably would have beat the Bengals. Yeah, uh, you know, because what did I say uh, before the season start? I would expect to be a good team, maybe, maybe not to the Super. Even though I'm, 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 a, I'm biased that I did predict the Fortnite to make the Super Bowl <laughs> before the season, and then with the slow start, wow, it was, it was a fun season. I would say it's a roller coaster this year, but in the playoffs. You mentioned, oh, it was amazing one for the Niners. No one, after that slow start, no one didn't expect the four Niners to go to the, at least, you know, the NFC Championship. I mean, we beat Dallas on the road. Uh, we beat Green Bay with a, with a snow, cold, weather. Beat them. Uh, it was amazing. It was something else. What were your thoughts those two playoff matchups against the Cowboys in Green Bay? Oh, man, unbelievable. First of all, for any 49ers fan that watched them in the 90s, like that was like the ultimate, you know, playoff run for them that they beat the both the Packers and the Cowboys, the two teams that they couldn't yeah. get past in the 90s after, after well, I mean, they got past the Cowboys once, but then right. it became the Packers. And for me, like growing up, I, I hated both of those teams as a result, right? Like the Niners lost championship games to both of those teams in San Francisco. And it was just, just heartbreaking. But to see them go into Dallas and just impose their will and basically dominate the Cowboys the way that they did. Like the, the score was not indicative of how, how the Niners dominated that game, right? Like the first half was just a clinic. And then the Cowboys, Jimmy was Jimmy and he made his stupid throw that he always makes every game. And he got, yeah. that's the reason why Dallas got close. Otherwise like that's not even a game. Yeah. And they had, they had a game plan where they wanted to execute basically controlling the ball, running the ball, and being able to keep, play keep away from that number one Dallas offense, their franchise record-setting offense in Dallas. And the Niners defense did a fantastic job, uh, and they did a fantastic job limiting them, limiting Dak Prescott's opportunities, limiting basically like, you know, limiting them to what is 17 points, right? So it, that was a phenomenal team win. And the next week you're going to the frigid Green Bay, frozen tundra, against Aaron Rodgers, who at some point I was like, you know, he's going to beat the Niners in the playoffs, right? Yeah. They've been three straight times. So at some point, like, you know, like even a broken clock is right twice a day. So at some point Rodgers was going to get them. And that game started off where Green Bay had no problem scoring. And it was a big deal because we knew that the Niners would not be able to move the ball in, in the cold, right? Neither team would. And it ended up being a slugfest and they went back and forth. And the Niners ended up, you know, with that blocked pun at the end. And not only blocking it, but scoring a touchdown off of it in one of the craziest plays I've ever seen in the, in the playoffs. Like, I, I truly believe if they had won the Super Bowl, that would be like one of the, the biggest 
sort of NFL biggest plays in this franchise's history ever. Yeah. If they've yeah. gone on with the Super Bowl, right? Because you know, like now it's kind of a footnote, which is kind of a disservice to that play because they didn't go all the way. But if you think about it, like it was it was an amazing sequence of events. Like you never see that happen. Number one, to block a punt, and number two, to return it for a touchdown is unbelievable. Oh um, yeah. <laughs> and at that point, I'm thinking, I was really thinking, like, wow, they're they're really one game away, and they came out against the Rams, and and they played a, a decent game. I thought that Kyle was a little bit timid at his play calling, and you know, Jimmy missed an open kittle on the first drive. I mean, he misses layups every game, right? And that's part of the reason why he's going to be gone next yeah. season is that he he misses those throws that quarterbacks need to make. But they played a good enough game to win. And I thought that that Kyle could have definitely been more aggressive in that game. I thought that there comes a point in, in some of these games where Kyle coaches not to lose. And it seemed to me very similar to the Super Bowl loss where they had a 10 point lead going into the fourth quarter and they just, they just go into a shell. Um, they didn't really try to get the ball to Debo in the, in the fourth quarter after that, the, the 12 minute mark. And it showed like they, they had two drives after that. They both went three and out. Uh, I mean, the, the, the last one was basically like four and out because he threw the, the interception. But to me, that's kind of going forward wh- where the problem lies is do we kind of blame these losses on, on the quarterback like people have been? Mm-hmm. Or is this more so like, all right, the defense couldn't get one more stop? Like, is it, remember, the defense – gave up three scoring drives in the fourth quarter against the Rams, right? They did not get any right. stops. Yeah. It was two, it was two field goals and a touchdown that they gave up. So, they did not get any stops there. They needed one stop, they couldn't get it. The offense needed one scoring drive, even a field goal, they couldn't get it. And it just seems so much like the Super Bowl to me where they they needed one drive to put the game away and they couldn't get it. And people will, will point at the the tart interception that he dropped. And they'll be like, well, they didn't, you know, that's why they lost. It's not why they lost. There were still about 10 minutes left in the game. Mm-hmm. To me, where they lost, where they, the, the losing sequence of the game came before that. Mm-hmm. So uh, you remember they, they were basically like they were second and one around midfield after Elijah Mitchell nine-yard run. And yeah. right there, at that point, there was like, I believe, like 11 minutes left in the game. Mm-hmm. They were second and one. All right, so next play, they – Eric Weddle blows up that play uh, and Elijah Mitchell gets stuffed for a loss of one. So on third and two, this is to me where they lost the game on third and two, they use Trent Williams as a decoy juice is in the backfield. You know, who's getting, you know, juice is getting it at that point, right? Like he's, he's only the only guy in the backfield. They use Trent Trent Williams as a decoy, the best left tackle in the NFL, arguably best offensive lineman in the NFL as a decoy, not to run behind him, but basically to run away from him, put him in motion. And predictably, Juice gets stuffed for no gain. Yeah. So then, at my in my in my mind, I'm like, okay, you wouldn't call that play on third down if you're not going for it on fourth down. Like it was fourth and two. Um, they were on the the plus forty five uh, side of the field. And to me, it's like, okay, at this point, you're not in field goal range. And a punt. I mean, how many plays is going to make take it uh, take them to to pass the point that you would have get, turned the ball over if they punt if you didn't punt. So they ended up punting and it took the Rams a grand total of two plays to get past where the Niners would have given them the ball. If had they not made it on fourth down. Yeah. And to me, it's like, you, you gotta, you gotta not only make that call, but get it into Debo's hands. And people like to say, 
well, they were guarding against Debo getting the ball. But yeah, but the but the Packers were a week earlier as well. When yeah. the Niners had a third and seven and they needed it basically wind down the clock at the end of the game and they needed the first down, they gave it to Debo. Everyone knew he was getting it out of the backfield. And he ended up getting nine yards in the first down. You needed two yards and Debo didn't touch the ball. So to yeah. me, again, it's these these choices that that make a difference difference between winning and losing for them. Yeah. Um I don't think Debo even touched the ball in the fourth quarter, didn't he? Because I don't recall they gave him the ball in the fourth quarter. He caught he caught a pass before the Elijah Mitchell run for nine yards. So oh, that yeah. was last time. It was like 12 minutes and 40-something seconds. So mm-hmm. people will say, well, that was only because they went three and out on the last two. They, they had six plays after that drive. And then the two, uh, or I guess the three runs, so nine plays in the fourth quarter where he didn't touch the ball. And people will say, well, it was only nine plays. But it doesn't matter. Like, when the Rams needed a, needed a play, who were they going to? Continuously. It was Cooper Cup. You knew yeah. where the ball was going. Like in the yeah. Super Bowl, at the end of the Super Bowl, you knew where the ball was going. Like everybody knew it was going to Cooper Cup. And repeatedly, time after time after time, they're going, they're targeting Cooper Cup. So Sean McVay knows, get the ball into, into your best player's hands. And, and yeah. for some reason, Kyle doesn't, he outsmarts himself. He overanalyzes it and he outsmarts himself and he doesn't do that. And I think that that is a problem that will remain after Jimmy leaves as well. That's a problem that they're going to have to deal with and break out of. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, you had, I mean, it's, it's, I guess you could say sports one one give the ball to your best player, basically, especially in crunch time, you know, mm-hmm. um, that four ers Rams game. And it was a, it was a blood, bloody bath. I mean, I see some players blood on their helmets, Eric Donald, whatever, you know, with the Rams, but, um, we had a lot of like coaches, Leave from the foreign eyes. West Walker is gone. Um, uh, what's his name? McDaniel. Well, I might say the name wrong. Uh, left. Um, go to the Dolphins. What are your thoughts about these coaching staff left and you hire Anthony Lynn? So I'm a big, I'm a big Anthony Anthony Lynn guy, and yeah. I thought he was, you know, kind of he he was a decent head coach. I feel like there were some things here and there that he could have done better, but I mean, like I feel like he was a, he was he was like a little bit too early out of LA, uh, out of the chargers. And I'm a big Anthony, Anthony Lynn guy. And I think that having him as an extra voice for Kyle is going to be a big deal because yeah. right now I feel like that's what Kyle needs. I feel like he needs a veteran sort of play caller there. That's not necessarily calling plays, but just another voice to bounce ideas off of and having fresh blood is never a bad thing. And I think that the, the cardinal thing here is that you have, Kyle calling the plays and it's his offensive scheme and all that stuff. So I think that as a result, the losing these assistants is, is a big, it's a big deal, Yeah. but it's not as big of a deal as if it would be if, if Kyle were to be gone, obviously, right. Because it's his key. Right, right. So it's also an indication of how far this coaching staff has come. You can argue that D'Amico Ryan's as well on the defense, the defensive side, he was under head coach con- uh, consideration and he should probably get some next year as well. So as a coaching staff, they've done a really good job and it shows because you don't accidentally get where they've gotten with the healthy team two times in a row, right? Like they've had, Kyle has had two completely healthy teams mm-hmm. and he has gotten, basically he's gotten the Super Bowl once in championship game with the, with the other one. Right. So that's not an accident. And I think that depending on who they bring in, like they, they need a quarterback's coach as well as, as Rich Scangarello went to Kentucky and now they they basically have another hole to fill on the coaching staff. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. Yeah. But I, I would expect them to, uh, like, for me, uh, people have kind of written this off, but I think that John Beck would be a really, really great quarterback coach. 
But again, yeah. he's working with all of these guys in the offseason, making tons of money working with guys like Trey Lance uh, in his quarterback camps. And I doubt that he would give up all that money to go to a, a higher pressure job that pays you less. But to me, that would be a great hire for them. And the Anthony Lynn hire was a really, really solid hire. I love that hire. And, you know, Mike McDaniel was a fantastic offensive coordinator. He was, he was really good. So I think the, the Dolphins got a really, really good coach. And I wish both him and Wes Welker the best. Yeah, yeah. Do you you mentioned that um, with these assistant coaches, not really a big loss. I thought Wes Walker is a key, a big uh, loss. You know, Wes Walker helps, you know, with De- Debo, who has a monster season, which he was fun to watch. You believe Wes Walker that could probably hurt the Niners with now jumping to the Dolphins? I think that anytime you have a guy that's been there for a few years, like, again, Debo kind of flourished and you saw Ayuk after he was out of the quote unquote doghouse, what he did, he had a fantastic season after once he got going, you see what these guys have been able to do. And I think that there will be a void there, but we also have to remember that sometimes change is a good thing because you get fresh ideas, a fresh perspective. And I think that it depends on who they bring in to replace Wes Welker. And right now, like there have been no, no announcements and and no traction on interviews and things like that. I think that as the off season, obviously as the off season wears on, we'll hear more, but when you lose those caliber of guys, I think that they're, we can expect a little bit of drop off, but I, but the other thing is, is that depending on who they're replaced with, it may not be as big of a drop off as, as we're kind of expecting, but yeah, it definitely hurts to lose coaches and good teams go through that all the time. Like look at, you know, new England has that happen all the time for the, the fans that were around in the eighties, the Niners, the eighties haven't had that all the time. Like the Bill Walsh coaching tree, we've heard all about that. And then the Niners in the nineties as well with guys like Mike Shanahan, Ray Rhodes, Mike Holmgren as well. Right. Like you, you hear about that all the time and it's just a, a kind of par for the course and something that happens to good teams that you will lose your coaches. So Kyle, you know, he's lost a few, right. Robert Sala, LaFleur, yeah. now Mike McDaniels and Wes Welker, and, you know, like all sorts of assistant coaches as well. So it they've been able to get by without them. And I think that, again, I thought that it would be bad when they lost Sala. And mm-hmm. they, it turned out to be actually really, really fantastic that they were able to replace him with Dimitri Rent. So we'll see. We can, we can probably look to an in-house candidate most likely to replace Wes Welker. But right. we'll see what happens with McDaniel, whether Anthony Lynn takes that job or, or Kyle has somebody else come in. I would suspect that Anthony Lynn will probably take that job at some point. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And now we got free next month, and I'm sure you read reports that the foreign nights recently, foreign nights are uh, keeping in touch with Rasheem Moster, who was out last season due to the injury, possible bring him back. And a lot of people expect, I mean, a lot of people want, don't mind be signing for a one year deal. What are your thoughts on possible bringing him back, maybe a one year deal? Yeah, the, the type of injury that Mostert had and the type of injuries that he's had are, are they're kind of season-ending injuries. So I think that yeah. y- you can't sign him to a multi-year deal as a result. It, it's kind of like a year-by-year thing. And I think that he will fit best in this scheme as well, like a one-cut runner. And Elijah Mitchell and him would be a good complement to each other because Mitchell has the speed. Right. And he's got like – he's got four – remember, at the pro day, he ran a 4-3-4. So he's got speed, but I feel like Mostert has more acceleration and burst, and he's more of just like a downhill runner, whereas like Elijah Mitchell will pick his spots, and he runs over guys, and he's a he's a tough runner. So to have that with a combination of Trey Lance in the, in the backfield as well, like you've got a really, really dynamic sort of backfield. And I think that 
Mostert really doesn't want I don't think he wants to go anywhere. And I think that the Niners don't want to lose him. So you, right. you probably will see him resign, in my opinion. Probably for like a you know, like a one year five million dollar deal or something like that. Mm-hmm. You'll probably see him resign for something like that. And either like a prove it deal or like, hey, we're gonna try to go not necessarily not necessarily all in, but we're gonna try to kind of give our best kick at the can for this because we were close last year. So yeah. you may see them bring back some of these guys like Raheem Mostert, DJ Jones. You got guys like Aziz Al Shayir, that's that's I, I believe a restricted free agent. You got Kwan Williams, you've got all sorts of Jason Verrett is a free agent as well. They've got 20 free agents that and, and several of them are are marquee sorts of players. So you want to bring them back. Jaquaski Tart is another one. So they're gonna have some tough decisions to make. And I think Jimmy Garoppolo's contract coming off the books and getting that 25 or 26 million back is gonna be something that they have to do. So a, a thing that I do want to mention is that as of now, you know, we're talking about end of February, as of now, they haven't found found any trade partners for Jimmy, right? And we're probably yeah. thinking that he's gonna be trading the next couple of weeks, but they have to get that done. They need that cap space, they need that cap relief. So and they need that comp too. So you can probably expect them to get this done probably within the next 10 days or so at the combine. Obviously they'll be meeting with teams that are interested, but at this point, if I'm the Niners, like I'm, I'm taking a deal on Jimmy, like the league knows that you don't want him. The league knows that you have your replacement plan for him. The last thing that you want to do is release him and not get any, any comp back because the, the cap hit will be minimal. It's, it's 2.8 million on a release, but that what you want is the comp. Because you need to be able to build a team right now. You're up against the cap, right? You have to be able to build a team with rookie contracts. So whether they trade Jimmy to Pittsburgh, I think he's going to Pittsburgh, honestly. Whether they trade to Pittsburgh or New Orleans or wherever it may be, Carolina, Washington, wherever it may be, it may be for two-fourths. It may be for a second and a fourth. It may be for two-thirds. They're not getting a first-rounder for him, right? Let's just set that record straight. They're not going to get a first-rounder for him. But they can't be too greedy with this because they need that money to lock up their free agents. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now, you mentioned about the 49ers got a lot of free agents. One of the free agents that are 49ers starting left guard, Nathan Thomas, and there, I see some people on Twitter, 49ers fan, possible maybe let him start uh, Aaron Banks as the left guard, possibly. What are your thoughts? Possible maybe let Thomas walk or and start, you know, Banks as the starting left guard, maybe, which is there's a potential possibility uh, or maybe we sign him. What, what you- so Lincoln Tomlinson's coming off arguably his best season of his career. He, he was a, for, for the people that don't know his background, he was a former first round pick of the Detroit Lions and kind of flamed out over there. And the Niners picked him up on the cheap on, in the trade. And he has been fantastic since, since being becoming a Niner. He has not missed a game. He has played every single snap. And he is one of those guys on a team that has been filled with injuries. That is the type of guy that you want to sign. You cannot let him walk. I know that they drafted Aaron Banks, and I know that that's his natural position, left guard, but you cannot let Lincoln Tomlinson walk. You have to have him there. And you can argue that playing next to Trent Williams makes everybody better, but the fact that he's been able to stay healthy is the biggest thing to me and, and perform at a high level. He made his first pro ball this year, and he, he got in as an alternate, but he made his first pro ball this year, and it was a fantastic season for him. And I'm a huge Lincoln Tomlinson fan ever since he got traded here because I thought that that was great value that they got for him. And he was in a terrible scheme in Detroit. So he's been everything that you would want from a guy coming in here. And I think that especially with Trey Lance starting, you don't want a ton of reshuffling going on in the offensive line. We already are having a little bit of question about what's going to go on at right tackle because is it going to be McGlinchey or Tom Compton? 
Right guard is a big question mark. Brunskill is another free agent. And Alex Mack, your center, you don't know if he's coming back. So yeah. there's a ton of unknowns in the offensive line right now uh, on basically what equates to a rookie quarterback, right? Because Trey's only started two games. I would say that next year is basically his rookie year, right? Like for all, yeah. all intents and purposes, because he's getting the, the reins for the first time full time. So you want to be able to minimize the change as much as you can. And I think that, again, as the offseason wears on, we're, we're going to know more about what's going to happen with specifically the right side of the line and Alex Mack. But you have to bring back Tomlinson. He has to – him. There's, so there's three guys I feel like they, they, they really should bring back. They prioritize. Number one, Lincoln Tomlinson. Number two, DJ Jones. And number three, Kayvon Williams. Those are the three guys you have to bring back okay. because those are the three guys that are essentially – they're irreplaceable. And you don't have a roster, a guy on the roster that can do those things that those three guys do. Okay. Okay. And now, not that long ago, Richard Sherman said he expect uh, either foreigners or C or Seahawks sign uh, free agent Stephen Gilmore corner, which foreigners need to address the secondary too. Well, um, mm-hmm. what are your thoughts about what Richard uh, Sherman say? Honestly, I think I, th- I first of all I love Richard Sherman. I'm a, I'm a big Sherman guy. Uh, ever since he came here from Seattle, he was, he's been the, the best teammate leader representative for the team. I mean, we all know the drama that he had after he got released from the, from the 49ers and, and, or after he didn't have his contract picked up. But I mean, aside from that, like the guy's been fantastic on and off the field. So I think that for me, like that one event was, was embarrassing probably for him and not a good look, but aside from that, like I, I respect his opinion and I respect him as a football player. So I could, I would love to see that happen for Stefan Gilmore to come here. I feel like, you know, he's towards the tail end of his success and his, the tail end of his prime. He had some injury issues and got the big contract and all that stuff. And you, you see it happen all the time, but to be honest, man, I, I feel like they're going to roll the dice with Barrett again. I, I don't think that they'll, they'll pay the big money to for Stefan Gilmore. They'll probably be able to get Brett for cheaper. And that's mm-hmm. kind of like a product special, right? It's like, all right, let's kind of get the players that are damaged goods or whatever and try to get the most out of them, right? That's how they signed Verrett in the first place. Yeah. So I think that Verrett, when he's healthy, is a, is a Pro Bowl caliber corner, right? We saw that when he was healthy in 2020. But, you know, after tearing the ACL, and, and we'll, we'll see how, how he kind of comes back from that. But I think that they'll be able to get him on, on a cheaper contract than you would some other corner on, on the market. And sign into one-year deal, if he doesn't perform, you've got Amory Thomas there, who played well in his limited time and he got better. You've got Diamond Lenore who played in his, in his limited time as well in spurts. So you do have kind of a fallback plan if Jason Brett doesn't work out. And I think that that's probably what they're going to do is they're going to bet on their own guys. He knows the scheme. He knows the players. He's well liked on the team. And I think that most likely Gilmore, if it were to be between the Niners and Seahawks, Seattle has more cap room, right? And they love to make those splash moves. And they're they're desperate right now, frankly. Seattle's desperate. Like, they're hanging on by a thread. Russell Wilson doesn't want to be there. Pete Carroll is closer to retirement, one year closer to retirement. And I think that their window is basically – it's almost closed at this point. So I can see Seattle probably making a push for him. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. So you expect foreigners to keep – Maybe we sign most guys, like maybe like another one year deal, maybe and maybe sign a couple new guys to the roster. Maybe I don't know. Maybe I don't know who I have in mind in terms of free agency. Maybe sign maybe someone from the maybe for death purpose. Maybe what do you think? Yeah, I think there'll be some depth signings. It's not it's not a strong free agent or 
draft. I mean, the draft class is it's deep, but there aren't like a lot of top end guys like you saw in this past draft, right? Like three years or four years down the line, we're going to be looking at the, the 2021 draft and be like, wow, that was a really, really good draft. I, yeah. I don't think it's going to be like that in 2022. And for that reason, I think that, that that will probably cause them to bet on more on their own guys that they have in-house. And you're going to see them try to resign more of their guys and, and kind of spread out that cap hit by signing some guys to extensions to kick that can down the road a little bit. Because honestly, the championship window is open right now, right? Now mm-hmm. it's open. We know that now because they've gotten there. They've gotten on the doorstep twice now. So you can fairly say that at this point, even despite Trey starting his lack of experience, you can say that the championship window is now. You've got Kittle and Bosa, Warner. You've got these guys in the, in the primes of their careers. You've got Trent Williams, a Hall of Fame left tackle. You've got Debo and Ayuk as well. You've got Kittle. Like You've got all these guys that are basically you know your core guys. And they're all locked up and they're all in their primes. So you could, you could say that, okay, well, within the next three to four years, you, you know, you're gunning for a Super Bowl, right? You're gunning yeah. for a Super Bowl win. And I think that that's what, what the front office is thinking as well. So they'll probably bet on their own guys this year. Hopefully the cap goes up more next year. We were expecting it to go up more this year and it didn't and due to COVID and, and all this stuff. So I think that hopefully you'll see a big jump next year. And then that, that would be the year to kind of go after it. And this year, honestly, man, like going into this year, like what I'm expecting is it's a, it's a transition year, right? Transitioning away from Jimmy Garoppolo and how the team looked under him and into Trey Lance and, and the offense and the team will look very different, hopefully better, but it will look very different. Yeah. Be able to be opened up more. So Trey's going to take his lumps, right? People don't realize that people are talking about him being an MVP and winning the Super Bowl, man. I mean, like he's 21 years old, going to be two when the season starts. Like he's had three starts in his last two and a half years of football. So he's going to take his lump. It's going to happen, but that's all part of the process of him being, becoming a star quarterback, which is, I think he will become. Yeah. Yeah. It's a learning curve for Trey Lance, you know, Um, and people, and I see a lot of people bash Trey Lance. Also people, I mean, this is like, real quick, before we talk to talk about the draft, you heard, you know, you heard about these supposedly women, about Tom Brady coming back from retirement, maybe go to the 49ers or Aaron Rodgers go to the front. That's a bit far fetched. And yeah, same with Tom Brady, far fetched. What are you, what are you, uh, what are your thoughts about these theories or rumors, especially regarding Tom Brady? I mean, it's the off season, right? Like, there's a, there's so much stuff that we heard last year, like Sam Darnold and Andy Dalton and Carson Wentz, and like all these all these crazy scenarios where people were cooking up and in the end it ended up being Jimmy Garoppolo. Right. So I'm not saying that's going to happen this year, but when there's a lot of off season noise that happens because people speculate or they want to be able to create content and have the clicks and things like that. So I, we have to try to differentiate that from what's actually reality, but here's the reality, my man, this is what we're thinking here. This is what's going on. Okay. The 49ers are going to have a bunch of cap money under the cap once Jimmy Garoppolo is gone. Right. Uh, obviously they have to yeah. resign their own guys. Tom Brady has always wanted to play here. He's yeah. always wanted to be a 49er. And basically what prevented that from happening was Jimmy Garoppolo being quarterback here, right? Like the Niners were trying to make it happen after the year after they lost the Super Bowl. And it, it never came to fruition because they wanted to stick with Jimmy or whatever, whatever happened behind closed doors. Right. So they have a chance at doing that now. And Brady, quote unquote, retired from the Buccaneers, but there hasn't actually been like 
an actual like, hey, I'm done sort of moment with him. Mm-hmm. And we're starting to hear whispers that like it, the relationship between him and Bruce Arians, Bruce Arians is an incredibly abrasive coach and, mm-hmm. and not a great personality in terms of like head coach. Like he's had run-ins with players before. Mm-hmm. So that whole thing started to unravel. Plus the Antonio Brown thing. It was just a circus over there. Yeah. And I, and I really do believe that Brady still wants to play, but there's that, you know, the whole family thing too. So Right. I think that it would have to be the perfect situation for him to come out and, and say that, like, I want to be where I want to be. Mm-hmm. But I also think that the Niners would have to do a lot, a lot of kind of prep work to be able to get him here. So, yeah, I think right now, to answer your question, I think it's it's a pipe dream for Brady. Rodgers just is not going to happen. That just, I would totally bet against that. I don't think that's going to happen at all. But the Brady thing is a pipe dream and probably more likely than Rodgers, but you know, if I would put a percentage on it at this point, maybe 10%, I don't think it's very likely at all. Okay. But again, we're, we're very early in the off season. The league, the league year has not even started yet. Mm-hmm. So I think that when it comes down to it, you know, like if Brady were to come back, if he were to come back, it would be with the 49ers and only with the, with the right situation. Didn't he have one more year of his contract with Tampa Bay? He did. Yeah. So he's not, he's still, that's the other thing is that he's still under the, they're still controlling him in terms of his contract. So mm-hmm. there would have to be either a release or a trade. And I think that the the crazy idea, you know, here's my tinfoil hat theory. The crazy idea that I had was that the Niners trade Jimmy Garoppolo, right? We know, we know that that's happening, that Jimmy Garoppolo will no longer be on the team next year. They right. trade him, get that comp. They end up flipping that comp and creating a, an attractive package to Tampa Bay to kind of pry Brady away from Tampa Bay, get them enough comp where it's okay. Mm-hmm. And Tampa Bay, you know, as a, as a favor or whatever for whatever Brady has done for their franchise, getting them that second Super Bowl title. Like, all right, you know what? We're going to, we're going to do this for you. And again, this is highly unlikely because I don't think they would trade him within the conference, much less trade him at all. But I think that, you know, that, that would be the scenario where the Niners, you know, trade Jimmy Garoppolo to the Steelers, for example. Right. And they want to get, they want to get like whatever it is, like a, like a high two or like a future one or whatever it is. Right. Flip that to Tampa Bay, Tom Brady's your quarterback and boom. Again, that's not going to happen, but I mean, that's like, you know, dreamland there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I don't think, I don't think it's going to have a pipe dream as you mentioned now on the draft. Now, Fortnite is going to have a first round actually. All the NFC West team set Arizona Cardinals don't have a first round this year draft, which is crazy. And mm-hmm. but Fortnite have second round, got a few third rounders and stuff. So, what? Who do you want the Fortnite to draft for this for this April? Yeah, so I think that so we haven't really got into reviewing prospects yet. So we haven't we haven't kind of set our board up yet at this point uh, on on our end on our on our podcast for WebZone. But I think that focusing on position groups, you really, number one, you need somebody opposite Bosa. You need to have somebody there that uh, Samson Ebukam had a decent sort of second half and a decent playoff run, but he's not, he's like a situational guy. Like he's not like an every down player. So I think that having that guy is paramount. Number two, they have to be able to find a starting caliber corner, right? Ambry Thomas and Lenore were really good stories, but they were rookies that needed development. They were projects. And especially if you're losing K1 Williams, you need a guy that can play the slot. So they have to find a starting caliber corner. And if they let 
Tart walk, they need a safety as well. They can play there. Although Tarverius Moore is coming back healthy, and that could be an option right there to, to, to play that position. You've got, again, the offensive line, the entire offensive line needs depth. And I think that that group specifically, like you, you've invested in Aaron Banks. I think you go back to the well. They've got, I believe, nine picks as of now before the before all the, the rest of the comp picks for coaching are set up and before the Jimmy trade. Mm-hmm. So they've got, I think, nine picks right now, and that's more than enough for a championship-caliber team. So I can see them trading up and, and giving away some of these picks to be able to trade up in some of these rounds and also trading for future picks as well as they kind of build for the future and try to build around Trey Lance, right? But right now, the three positions that you need to focus on in no particular order are cornerback, defensive end, like pass rusher, and offensive line, specifically right side of the offensive line. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, and, you know, and now I know you don't have even just a – I put it on your board. Is there one particular prospect that you really a big fan of that hoping the Fortnite could probably draft him, maybe trade up or hopefully drop to the second rounder or or whatever the case is? It's really hard to say at this point, man, because the, the, the draft is so deep this year. And it's one of those like there's certain drafts that are just super top heavy and everybody's trying to get into the first round. I think that you'll see a lot of jockeying for teams to kind of trade back because they know that the draft is so deep and like there's no there's no it's not really top heavy at this point it's not really about blue chip talent it's about depth so there isn't really one guy that i'm like looking for because they they've got they've got most of the positions solidified they've got star players right what i'm looking for is depth right so again one yeah. of those those same three positions is, is really what i'm looking for at this point i got you got it's the, for me i think the right side of the offensive line is what i'm concerned i mean it's been like that for the past few years too uh, you know, Tom Compton, right tackle. Come on, Tom Compton. I mean, he had his moments, but you know, this offensive alignment is a big concern. Do you believe maybe Fortnite need to focus on at the center position? Because Mac, we don't know he's gonna play, and even if he do play, he's not getting any younger, he's in his mid 30s. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. I think that maybe drafting a center would be a good thing to do. Uh, I love Cesar Ruiz a couple of years ago. Uh, they didn't draft him out of Michigan, they did, they did not draft him the year that they drafted. Uh, Kimwa and and Ayuk, um, I love that at that point. So I think that drafting a center is a big deal. And again, like there's there's a lot of ways that they can do this. So it would be nice for them to get a center. I think that they will probably draft a center for depth, anyways. Even if Alex Mack comes back as an heir apparent, so mm-hmm. they've got again they've got nine picks. They've got the luxury to be able to do it. So I would definitely look them to draft look for them to draft a center. Okay, okay, okay. And one last question, Mike McKinney, I believe he's. Uh, I'm sure he'll be back this coming season or anything, but his contract will be expired coming up. Do you believe maybe it's time to move on with him? Maybe after this coming new season, or maybe get, or maybe time to move on with him for this season, find his replacement. So the McGlinchey injury is an interesting one because a quad tear is one of those injuries that you don't typically see offensive linemen have. Mm-hmm. And of the offensive linemen, I mean, so there's there's a really good follow on Twitter. There's a doctor, Dr. Nara Pandya uh, on Twitter. If you guys aren't following him, please follow me. He's a fantastic follow. Locally here, he's on 95.7 The Game on the radio every week talking about player injury reports and things like that and his estimates. He's an orthopedic surgeon for sports medicine at UCSF, and he's he's a fantastic follow. But he was talking about this, and he was mentioning how it's not a common injury for offensive linemen to have. And for the, the offensive linemen that do have it, it's typically like only 60% of them really make it back to full strength and the other 40% just can't get there. So I think it's one of those where he's got that fifth year. He's, he's, I believe he's, he's on a fifth year option this year, I think. 
So they can pick up that fifth year option with him and bring him back for the year and see how he does. And then if he, if it doesn't pan out, you can let him go next year. If it does, then you sign into an extension, which would basically lower your total long run cap number, right? Because you can spread that cap head out over many years. So it's going to be interesting. I think that they'll probably pick up the option and, and bring him back because Tom Compton was just, I mean, in, in run blocking, he was good. He was, right. he was one of the top run blockers in the league at his position in pass blocking. He was terrible. He was one of the bottom. He was near the bottom bottom of the league in that category. So you you there is there is a big drop off. And McGlinchey wasn't great in pass blocking either. But there's a big drop off between McGlinchey and, and Tom Compton for sure. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. Well, anyways, it's great to talk to you about 49ers. You know, draft. It'll be interesting what's going to happen in free agency, which is in a couple of weeks, I believe, and the draft in April. And you're welcome to come back if you have to. Maybe we'll have a 49ers round table group of 49ers fans to predict the this season or thoughts about the 49ers offseason move if you're up to it man absolutely man anytime is there anything you want to plug youtube podcast or anything like that man yeah for sure so uh the 49ers no uh, no huddle podcast by 49ers web zone uh is a podcast that myself and my co-host al sacco have been doing for about almost six years now actually wow I, with the better rivals, shout out to better rivals and, and Oscar Aparicio, by the way, who was the OG of all of this, man. Like when we started on, we used to listen to his podcast and he was fantastic. And now like we've got so many content creators that are, that are awesome. Like yourself, like creating content, but the better rivals podcast recently ended. So Al and I are basically, I think the longest tenure podcast people now for 49ers people. So it's actually kind of cool that uh, we've been able to kind of uh, attain that status and stick around for so long. So you can find it on 49erswebzone.com. Uh, you can find it on SoundCloud. Uh, you can find it in iTunes. So uh, give it a listen. And uh, follow me on Twitter. It's at uh, Zane49ers, at Z-A-I-N-49ers. And uh, yeah, I love interacting with my followers. So give me a follow, follow you back, and then we can talk some shop. Definitely, definitely. And follow me on Twitter, PWH10. Uh, Let's Talk Podcast has a Facebook page. Give it a follow, like. Uh, I post a new episode, announce new guests, all that good stuff. That's the podcast available from all nine different platforms. This to all the episodes, including this episode, from nine different platforms such as Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Breaker, Overcast, Podcast, Google Podcasts, and Radio Public. The next Let's Talk podcast is tomorrow night, which Jake will make his return. We will, we will talk about the Chicago Bears. Plus, plus we're going to talk about the college football, and we're also going to talk about Major League Baseball, which they're in the current lockout right now. Uh, so that's what we're going to talk about. And and we're going to talk about the Chicago Bulls. How about those Bulls, by the way? Fantastic. Oh, awesome. yeah. Awesome to see that. Yeah. Yeah. They lost today, which is bummer. <laughs> so, but yeah. Still up there. Yeah, definitely, definitely. But, anyways, so to, uh, stay tuned for tomorrow night. Plus, this Monday, Josh will make his return on Let's Talk Podcast Monday night, which We'll talk, give it a scale of a professional wrestling, which is a lot of things going on in the in the professional wrestling, AEW, WWE, and uh, and Lucha, even New Japan Pro Wrestling, and much, much more. So stay tuned for this Monday. So everyone, have a good night. Stay safe and talk to you tomorrow night on Let's Talk Podcast. And peace out, everyone.